0: Hey, it's Andrea. Today, we learn that the appropriate amount of time to mourn the loss of a loved one is about twenty-two minutes. Kivas Fajo should get into the baby-proofing business, and we ask the question: Why does Jordi sleep in his uniform and shoes? Stay with us.
1: Welcome to the TNG podcast, the number one place in the Alpha Quadrant to geek out about all things Star Trek: The Next Generation. I am co-host Sharice. I'm your co-host Andrea Sharice, Today, we are talking.
0: Season three, episode twenty-two, "The Most Toys." Which, bum, bum, bum. oh, okay, <laughs> <laughs> wow, already. Uh, this episode was written by Shari Goodhearts and directed by Tim Bond. Before I get into the plot, this is kind of a special one for you, yes.
1: Yes, I'm super excited to to go over this one. I think this episode is so fun. Um, Data is one of my favorite characters, so I'm always down for a good data-heavy episode. Yeah, um, and this one I just found. Incredibly fascinating, so I'm excited for us to get into it.
0: Yeah, um, and I do remember that when we first started this podcast, we created or you created this like really cool website where we had like our favorite characters, our least favorite characters. But mm-hmm. uh, I think your
1: was this was your favorite villain, right? Kivas yes, Fajo? yes, Kivas Fajo was my favorite villain, and yours was Lwaxana Troy. Yeah, <laughs> which I feel like would be no surprise to anyone who's listened to our podcast for more than like seven seconds, who's <laughs> <It was> technically. <laughs> not a villain. Unless she is a villain. She is a
0: villain. <laughs> God, no, she's an anti-villain, but a villain the, anyway. <laughs> um. Okay. So why is Kivas Fajo your favorite villain of all of TNG? Just so curious.
1: Yeah. Well, one thing is, you know, I, I like a good data episode and I think besides lore, um, this is probably the only episode I can think of where someone's like out to get data and it's a really good storyline. I mean, there's another episode where there's this woman who's really bitter at data, but that's just kind of painful to watch. It's not like, ooh, what a good villain. You're just kind of like, oh, sweetie. Wait, um, what episode is that? There's this episode where there's a woman who she's a scientist. Um, she ends up killing the crystalline entity. Oh, that one. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And she's just like really bitter at data. And you're like, and you get, and like, you get it, but it's not, mm-hmm. it's not the same level as vil- a villain as Lore. Yes. Or as Kiva's Fajo, because Fajo is not um, it's not personal with him, it's just business. <laughs> and also yes. Fajo is played by Saul Rubinek, mm-hmm. who is just like one of my favorite actors. And he plays in another one of my favorite shows called Warehouse 13, which is weird and awesome. Oh, so watching- I don't even think I've ever heard of that show. Yeah, it's 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 great. It's like they go and find artifacts from the past, like historical artifacts okay. that have like magical powers because of their historical properties. And so it's like, they'll find something. something... It's very sci-fi and fantasy. They'll find like something from Cleopatra and it turns everyone to cats or something like that. Like it'll just be Mm. something crazy. And it's these agents who are going around the world trying to discover these things and like confiscate them before bad guys do crazy things with them. Um, and he's the boss, and it's just ah oh, so fun.
0: I feel like that's a show that Kivas Faja would be into anyway. <laughs> I
1: know that's true. That's true. <laughs> it's like rare <laughs> artifacts, you say. Collecting maybe that's how he
0: got the job. <laughs> um, I really love Saul Rubinek uh in another favorite show of mine, Frasier. He plays um Donnie something or another. I don't remember his last name, but he's a like Absolute shark of a divorce attorney, mm-hmm. um, and he is such a great character um, on that show. But we're just doing a salt X spiral now. Here's the plot for the most toys. Start date 438672.2. The Enterprise is called to assist the colony on planet Beta Agni Two, which has suffered contamination to its water supply. They meet with Kivas Fajo, a trader who so happens to have the extremely rare compound needed to neutralize the contamination. The volatile substance cannot be beamed aboard, so Lieutenant Commander Data is assigned to make several shuttle trips back and forth to collect the cargo. Just before the final trip, Data is kidnapped, and his shuttle is rigged to explode. The Enterprise crew scan the debris and find trace elements matching Data, believing he's dead they are forced to leave to continue their mission. Damn thank God it was data who was kidnapped because if I was kidnapped and was like, the enterprise is looking for me. And then the woman Vary would be like, no, they aren't. We put all your trace elements aboard. So they think you're dead and they've already left. I think I would just have like um, four straight months of like panic and not be able to think straight and be probably <laughs> crying in the corner and freaking out and like ripping my hair out. So. Thank yeah, God it's data would, who doesn't do that.
1: <laughs> you would not make a very cute addition to the museum if you did. I would not. That
0: there would be so much
1: wedding of the pants. They'd be like,
0: oh, we don't want you for our museum
1: at all. Well, I'm sure they have some, I'm sure they have some kind of like super absorbent space pants that you wouldn't even <laughs> notice because Fajo's thought of everything. Maybe that's why they've got those like extra component to their
0: pants that kind of look like riding pants. You know, I don't know who's to say, who's to say, but all right, before we jump in
1: initial thoughts, Cherise. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I've covered them a bit, but, um, just to go more about this specific episode, I think it's really interesting that there might be something like a space collector, someone who just collects treasures from throughout the galaxy. Why wouldn't there be, um, assuming people have similar, you know, desires and passions, aliens have similar desires and passions as humans, which is what we always assume for the show. Otherwise it doesn't make sense because we can't communicate with each other. Um, then it's just, it's why wouldn't it be, we have people on earth who collect rare things. We have people on earth who collect dumb things, but Mm -hmm. also people who spend a ton of money just so they can be the one who has the last one of X, Y, Z. And so taking that further to say, I'm going to scour the galaxy to look for the last of whatever, to like be, you know, um, to show my friends that I'm cooler than them or something. I just thought was really interesting.
0: Yes. I love that. And I love that you mentioned the, like, kind of like ending up with the most things when you die the most toys the title from this episode actually comes from a popular saying from the 1980s um that was all over t-shirts and bumper stickers and the saying was he who dies with the most toys wins
1: that's (laughs) what was. what exactly do you win (laughs) um life and how do you cash it in is what i want to know (laughs) Well, see, you're a
0: reasonable person, though, so
1: you would yeah. say that. I, I wasn't mean, saying this, that phrase in the '80s. I never heard that before, and it would, and I would have asked the same question in the '80s. What do I? Okay,
0: like, well, but I, so I didn't know that was a phrase either because I was a, uh, you know, I was six or seven when 1990 hit, so I was obviously too young to understand that this was a phrase going around. But it really was speaking about like greed, like he who dies with the most toys wins. This term was actually coined by the super eccentric millionaire Maxwell Forbes who is the publisher of the famous Forbes magazine. Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh, let me do a mini dive on this guy because you say eccentric millionaire. And I'm like, let me know more. (laughs) Um, He was the publisher of Forbes magazine, as I said, which was all about like the wealthiest people in the world. Um, Just as a little snippet. So his life was riddled with all these like ridiculously flamboyantly rich things he did. But as an example of his famous flamboyance, he chose this Moroccan palace that he had acquired from the government of Morocco for his 70th birthday. He spent on this party an estimated $2.5 million to charter a Boeing 747, a DC-8, and a freaking Concorde supersonic jet to fly in 800 of the world's rich and famous guests, including Elizabeth Taylor, Barbara Walters, Henry Kissinger, who was former Secretary of State, a bunch of state U.S. governors, and the CEOs of a shit ton of like multinational corporations. This party series included 600 drummers, acrobats, dancers, and concluded a full-blown cavalry charge ending with a firing of muskets by
1: 300 berber <laughs> horsemen
0: <laughs> what the fuck party favors included a custom engraved rolex watch for each of the 800 guests
1: that's dope take
0: take from that what you will because i feel like on i the want to be end, invited like, to that party
1: i w- it feels like a it feels like a it feels great like gatsby a cool party show. yeah it feels like yeah. a really cool show i mean there's yeah, a huge waste of resources and stuff. But if you think about it, um, it's just scale. It's just scale. Like people throw huge parties yeah. without spending all of that money that he spent, you know, but on like an infant on a yeah. one-year-old, the one-year-old yeah. birthday, and they've got bounce houses and clowns and balloons. And like the one-year-old doesn't even know how to do anything. Yeah. They don't even know what's eat. going on. Yeah. They don't know anything. And right. Somebody <laughs> could spend like hundreds and hundreds of dollars, which to me could seem very lavish for that party. But yeah. it's a matter of scale. If you've got like billions and billions of dollars, then millions and millions is the same as like hundreds and hundreds or twenties and twenties. So totally. it's just it's just kind of a matter of scale. But I think that that party sounds really yes, definitely very lavish, and also probably a good time if you were there. Um, oh my invited. god, if you were not invited, you'd be like, who is this douche bag ruining our city? <laughs> <laughs> See, I feel like I. The, the
0: like sneaky in me would be like, I'm going to dress as a cater waiter and take off with one Rolex
1: watch. And that'll be it. And nobody will even notice. Seriously. It's you show up as like one of the acrobats or whatever It's sounds yeah. like- I'd be like, I can cartwheel. It's not super duper secure because he rented a palace and then had all these guests. My thought was like, oh no, don't put all the high ranking officials in the same place. Haven't you ever seen a spy movie? Yeah, there's a bomb that's going to go off. (laughs) Yeah, or kidnapping or something. But reading about about Maxwell
0: Forbes, I was like, yeah, this is the perfect quote. He who dies with the most toys Mm -hmm. wins to assign to Kibba's Number one, yes, Mm -hmm. I was equal parts in awe of the ridiculous flamboyance of this party. And as an extension, because it was just a reflection of like his whole life. Right. Um. By the way, he had a a charter jet. He had a, he had his own airplane. And then later um, in life, he had this like love of motorcycles and he named the motorcycle gang that he created the same, Name as he had his airplane named. And mm-hmm. the name is the capitalist tools. I was like, wow, there's so, <laughs> so hard, I guess. Because hearing about this party, I'm like, this is fucking cool. And also, this is why we need to eat the rich, because this dude could have solved world hunger like four times over. And he's having fucking secretary of states and Elizabeth mm-hmm. Taylor, like, whatever. Um, all right. So that's a little bit of trivia I have. I have a little bit more trivia. It's sad trivia about this episode, but I do feel that it does need to be um, recognized famous British actor, David Rappaport had originally been cast for the part of Kivas Fajo. And after filming some, but not all of the scenes as Fajo Rappaport, who had very unfortunately struggled with depression during his whole life, attempted suicide, like a few days after he had started filming. So they obviously, because had to take care of, you know, he had to have his needs taken care of. um, They ended up recasting Saul Rubinek, who happened to just be a huge fan of the show. And as an actor was kind of in the network of new people who worked on shows and had asked for a tour of the set as he was like passing through town, essentially. And they're like, well, how about more than a, you know, tour of the set? And so they ended up casting him to take over the role. Um, Very, very sadly. David Rappaport did later died by suicide just three days before the airing of this episode, which is so sad. And select mm-hmm. scenes with Rappaport as Kiva Spago were included in a special in memoriam reel in the TNG uh, Blu-ray set. Um, mm-hmm. So you can find little snippets. The makeup is completely different. Um, they had to scale the makeup down way back because they had yeah, less because, time because they had like two days to kind of put together a, a look for him um so it's a very very sad bit of information but mm-hmm. um i didn't think it would be doing any favors to the memory of david Rappaport to not mention it so mm-hmm. so there it is um which is super sad all right on that super sad note <laughs> shall we kick off this episode yeah let's do it all right um so we see data transporting this hydridium from the ship of a Zebalian trader we've never heard of or seen Zebalians before, um Kivis Fajo. And data, I don't know if you noticed this, Sharice, but data, it, d- the
1: name of the shuttlecraft that data uses is called the Pike. I did notice that. Oh, you did? Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, yay. And I never noticed ship names. <laughs> but I was you like, know, is that called the Pike? <laughs> I did notice this time. I feel like it was pretty right in the middle of the ship. Um, yeah. I don't know where were... they usually are, but I never noticed them. You're always like, Oh, that's the such and such named after famous astronaut, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, wait, <laughs> I thought oh. it was just number zero zero two. Like that's all I usually <laughs> see on the side of the shuttle. <laughs> well, I do love, I will say, I do love that
0: in real life, Uh, many, you know, all airplanes and aircraft and any kind of craft have all like designation numbers, but Mm -hmm. airplanes and boats kind of in particular have N- people name them.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. Um
0: and I love that they kind of carry on that tradition with shuttlecraft where it's like zero zero two, but it's also named the like pike. Mm-hmm. Or as you and I you introduced me to Lower Decks over the weekend which mm-hmm. oh my god so freaking funny and such a love letter to TNG and so many easter yeah. eggs in it. And if all you have Star listened
1: Trek. to our beginning episodes of this podcast we both mentioned how we would never watch Lower Decks and we were wrong because the show's great. <laughs> so it's amazing. It's take hilarious. it back eating words it's very fun. <laughs> So as yes. you're watching Lower Decks, you notice the ship names on Lower Decks, which I also didn't. Yeah, not all the little, all the little
0: shuttlecrafts, and they're all things that are based in California because it's a California um ba- like Cerritos is a city in California. Mm-hmm. All of the little shuttlecrafts That's are like true. the Yosemite, the King's Canyon, which is a national park here in California. And and I'm only in like episode two. <laughs> so I'm like, I can't wait to see how they keep like running that gag.
1: Yeah. And you know what's funny? There's this episode where one of the characters mentions how she did a prank on Saul Rubinick. Oh really? Like, yeah. (laughs) And I was like, did she just say Saul Rubinek? And I was like, and I had to rewind it. I was like, she totally did. She's like, oh, this was my mentor back in the academy. And I was like, oh, that's so true. Sharice, you know, I live for like TNG Easter eggs. I Mm. really do. (laughs) I'm sure as a Voyager super fan, there are probably a lot of different Easter eggs that reference Voyager as well. Yeah, I think the show references like Voyager, the original series, and TNG, but I I've I've seen primarily. TNG references, which is, okay. which is really fun. Well, that's my favorite. It's happening Anyways, the same so. time as TNG. It's a couple of years after the end of TNG show is when this is supposed to be happening.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, um, the enterprise's exploits at this point are like universe famous kind of yes. thing. Got Correct. it. Correct. All right. Um, okay. But back to our episode. <laughs> <laughs> so as data is preparing to depart with the last load, he's shocked and scanned by this woman aboard the Jovis. He, mm-hmm. she gives him like a little thumbprint thing to like sign off for the last load and he gets shocked and, and the it woman electrifies him yes what the heck? <laughs> yes and she immediately starts scanning him like 32% this and that 37% whatever you write so i'm like mm-hmm. why is she why is she doing a rundown of like all of his components that was super weird to me mm-hmm. until later in the episode where i was like oh mm-hmm. and the shuttle appears to explode in front of the enterprise's eyes which i had a thought about this which, you know, I always have thoughts, um, but if data has been doing a ton of like back and forth mm-hmm. um, trips to like pick up this hydradium and deliver it to the enterprise, why would Picard put the final like drop off um, or the final on the trip view like, screen? back on the view screen? I'm I don't like, think, it, think it was the like-
1: final view. Sc- I, I think it was all the trips. I think it was the whole, Ooh. the whole experience. They just had been monitoring it. And I think it was on the view screen because they had nothing else to look at. And the whole time data has been saying, because later on, Jordy says that every single time data did a run, he said he would report in. Okay. Everything's loaded. Here I go. I'm heading out. And they'd be like, go ahead. And then he would do it yeah. and come back. And so they were doing it over and over. So I don't think they were just looking at the last one. Um, but definitely the last one didn't go the way all the other ones did. And just like certainly did not. shock on everyone's face. I don't remember. I don't remember how I felt at this spe- specific scene when I was a kid. Um, but I do know watching as an adult, like I knew it was going to explode. But I was still like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> like, Yes. if you see your friend explode, what the heck? Like, it's oh just my very, gosh. And then you, and then it's just like through stunned silence. They're looking at each other. And then Picard's like, well, we we have to keep going with our mission because there's this natural disaster going on and we have to get there. Yeah. But we also want to stay and investigate and see what happened. Is there any way Data could be alive? And uh, it's just it was just painful. It was it was hard to watch that little scene.
0: Yes. Well, also there was like an element of like gruesome to it too, because Mm -hmm. not only does the ship explode, but on the view screen, you see like parts of the ship, like parts of the shuttle kind of like whipping away. You're like, oh my God. Yes. Seeing debris. I always think of whenever I look at this scene, I always think of like, oh my gosh, if I can see chunks and parts like i don't want to see chunks and parts of a body or like Mm -hmm, an android mm -hmm, body yeah i was just like oh
1: it was super gruesome to me but then we go to the bridge and you know they're they're looking at how much how many resources they have how much time it's going to take to get to the the planet that has this big natural disaster and Riker's like we have barely enough hydridium to finish the mission we have like just enough like to the drop yes we we, could we get more and and fajo's just like we can't get any more you know, this is all, this is all there is. And we're going to stop selling it ourselves because it's just too dangerous and all this stuff. So they're like, all right, we, we got to go. Like we have to go. Um, and it's just really sad because you're like, no data's still alive. Don't leave him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: You're like, no, 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 no. Well, we don't know that he's alive. I mean, we know that something has happened, right. He's been right. electrified, shocked. And this woman has scanned all these components. Exploded. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we're like, what the F. Yeah. And then we see the ship explode and the enterprise has to take off, which makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, of course, you and I having seen this episode a bunch of times, we're like, don't leave, don't leave, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Immediately. And data comes to in this like museum gallery type of room. And I love that he's still he's lying back and his hand and his thumb are still up as though he like frozen in the position he was in yep. when he was shocked, which I thought mm-hmm. was pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. And he's like, What who? Huh? And enter Fajo and his assistant Varia or Varia and Saul Rubinek's performance is so freaking it's delightful. So good. It's so good. <laughs> I mean, the man just was Kivas Fajo. Like he's snapping, you know, he's doing the like snap, snap, snap to yeah, test. Him. He's like he's got little so excited energy. Jumps.
1: Uh-huh. So excited. And he says it took great effort, effort to bring you here. Like just the way he's yes. Like, I was like, why is he? What is wrong with him? He's like yelling at data so data could hear him and he's repeating himself. And he's talking like how he thinks <laughs> robots would talk. Why? Why? And then data's just like, are you holding me against my will? And he's just like, oh, why? Yes. And you're just like, wait a minute. So he knows he doesn't wait a minute. You're right. You're just like everything with Fajo was like this big joke. It's like life is a game and a joke, but yes. also he's ridiculously dangerous yeah, deadly. and we don't know that at this point either. So right now we're just thinking he's kind of weird and what's going on and why eccentric is he...
0: clown. yeah
1: yeah, he's just an yeah, eccentric clown. um and data's like, what is what is going on? And Fabio yeah. explains that he's brought data here to be his plaything for his mm-hmm. enjoyment and entertainment. um and he and he tries to sweeten the deal of data being here by saying, you're gonna be catered to, your every whim will be delivered. Blah, 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 blah. And Data's just like, this is unacceptable, sir. Right? He's like, you you can't take somebody against their will. I don't want to be here. I want to go back to the Enterprise. Yeah. And then Fajor just laughs and he's like, well, almost your every want will be granted. That one won't be. You're yeah. staying here, buddy. And you're just like, oh. And Data, <laughs> Data tries well, to escape, of course. Yeah, a few times. Or a like few a few times. different ways. And it doesn't work, right? He goes to the door and he's like, I'll just open the door. And he tries to do his super strength which normally works on every door. I know, so
0: disappointing when it doesn't work this time. You're like, dang it. But Kivas Fajo has thought of everything,
1: mm-hmm. everything. Yeah, he says maybe 10 androids, like you could open that door because it's made of out of like galvanic steel, not some kind of steel. Um, It's made out of some special steel that like, and it's super heavy or whatever. Data can escape that way. And it
0: responds to DNA, which data does not have.
1: Yes, it responds yeah. to, to galvanic skin responses and DNA. There um, you go. Neither of which does data have. Although he could probably fake a galvanic skin response like sweating and temperature and stuff but he does not have dna and even if he did it wouldn't be fajo's dna which is the kind that you need to open it Mm -hmm. so this is like a super dope lock when you think about it like i don't think we see this ever again you know what this is
0: the most the ultimate child safe lock in the universe that's what kivas fajo should be you know he's Mm -hmm. all about making that money like patent that baby and sell it around the universe because people will give all sorts of money to keep their kids safe. (laughs) Yeah. And,
1: and biometric locks are usually like fingerprints and eye scans or something, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. to actually respond to the DNA in someone's skin, which I would not want because I don't want my DNA being measured and and stored everywhere. But the point is if, if you could have something like that and you had some like big vault or something like that, like that'd be a pretty, a pretty cool lock. Um, yeah, that would be really cool. A few other people with the key. (laughs) (laughs) Otherwise that, that could turn bad. So anyway, so he's <laughs> like, okay, I'm going to attack Fajo and like take, you know, like take his body over here, put his yeah. hand on the little button and open it like they always do in every heist movie. Like, yeah. Cut off his hand and pop it on the biometric
0: scanner Yeah, there. pop out
1: his eye and do the scanner. They always Ugh. like find a way. They do. Like you think you've got it beat. They always find a way. Um, And he gets in within maybe like, I don't know, two, three feet of Fajo. And then there's some personal force field around him that bounces data off like a rag doll. And he yeah. tells him it's whatever that force field is. It's Android specific. It's specifically it responds.
0: It responds to Positronic Net.
1: Yeah. yeah. And he was like, "Don't you know? I wouldn't do that too much if I was you." And you're just like, "Oh, like he's really trapped."
0: And By Maria way- is
1: just like, "Ha ha ha ha!" In the corner. Yeah, she's over there with her messed up face, being like, hm, "Told Jeff." <laughs> yeah. Easily one of my least favorite makeup jobs I've ever seen. Yes. To those creepy kidnapper guys. Cause their makeup was really ugly too. Okay. I mean, so functional, but I functional, had, but I
0: had, a, I, had uh, I had read just like a little snippet of information. Uh, I'm sorry. I didn't like write down all the correct names and everything, but the actress who played varia or varia, cause it's, Pronounced certain number a couple different ways on the show. Um, she was supposed to have like antenna that knit into her hair and made kind of like this headpiece sort of thing and all this mm-hmm. stuff. And um, she ended up, she, the, the actress who played Varia like did not, well, doesn't like a lot of makeup. Prosthetics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, prosthetics and makeup. So she basically went behind everybody's back to Gene Roddenberry and convinced him to have the makeup team like scale back the look. Mm-hmm. Which I feel like his hair and makeup, I'd be like,
1: what the F <laughs> we spent mm-hmm. all this time working on this whole, this is whatever. literally what we do all day, every day. Yeah. We know what just... we're doing. Trust us. Yeah, exactly. And we've been crushing so... it this entire season, every single yes. episode with our makeup. Yes.
0: Have you seen the Benzites? Thank you. Anyway. Mm-hmm. So the she up... hello. Oh my God. <laughs> so she ended up, um, with, having a chin his... piece. with a chin piece. Um, and the way that they kind of wrote it into the show is like the look that like, Makeup gave her and hair. They gave her like an Annette Funicello hairdo, which was like a 60s, 70s, 80s, kind of like big giant foofy Foo 80s. Yeah, mm-hmm. It's so ugly, in my opinion. Sorry. But um they ended up making her face piece kind of look like a car crash victim. That's what like that's what they said was like their um Sort of inspiration Mm -hmm. and the way that they kind of wrote that into the show was when she talks about Fajo's like punishments she kind of touches her face you're like oh it is like scarring it's not meant to be that way but it is
1: the worst prosthetic makeup oh it looks so bad because I remember that like that scene where she says like this is why my face looks like this because Fajo you know punished me and you're Mm -hmm. like okay but he made your chin fatter like that doesn't really, yeah. It's like, it has like expense. a square kind of, yeah. Yeah. Because they had to add a prosthetic to add in like the scars. Scar- yeah. Whatever. Like when it maybe would have been cooler for them to do scars on her face. Kind of like those, um, what was the name of those, those like pirates, those like space pirates. Do you remember? They had like all the <gasps> oh, boils and yes. stuff on their face, which was yeah. gross, but like the, the makeup gatherers. Job was so The good. gatherers. Yeah, the yeah. gatherers. Right. It was gross, but also you're like, whoa, like it was mm-hmm. definitely a look. Yeah, probably I would have preferred something like that where she had scarring on her actual face versus yeah. a prosthetic that has a scar on the prosthetic that just makes her chin really big. Because I was just like, it's hard to look at. Yeah, her. I didn't, I didn't. And, you know, I don't think she made a good call. Sure. You're <laughs> right.
0: I don't think she did either. Um, I hey, I couldn't agree with you more on that. I also think, too, that, like, I remember this. I remember watching this as an ep- uh, this episode as a kid in non HD. In the mm-hmm. early '90s, and it looked like shit even then. Yeah, it looks the same. <laughs> it, it looks even worse now in like ultra HD, <laughs> but it looked really <laughs> shitty then too. Sorry, actress, like you absolutely should not have like made yeah, that. Yeah, would have looked so much cooler with one. antenna on your phone. And also, so if you cooler. also if you despise wearing a ton of makeup and all that, don't like I get Star it, I don't,
1: Maybe maybe just try out for a different role because like Dina yeah. wears like normal makeup. That's true. Right, like you could just be a some, she could be one of the henchmen because there was all, all the henchmen didn't have they just had like lines on their face I think they, they had didn't like have a any, little like doodad on their forehead that looked like a, a little, sp- like, yeah they didn't yeah in any anyway case. anyway we, <laughs> bad that move, has to be lady, said because move. you guys know how much <laughs> I love the makeup on this show except for this time and I yeah. also didn't like Fajos makeup I mean I didn't hate it it just looked like someone just took a magic marker and drew on his face and I was sure like, did I wonder I wonder if back in SD you know before it was HDTV <laughs> I wonder if that looked not like marker if it looked any different uh, but then with what you just said right now of they yeah. didn't have very much time they had to film it in two days as opposed to like a week or two yeah they did what they had to do and I do think it looks cool I think again this would have looked cooler if the red and blue marker was raised so if they had put on a little bit of um I don't even know what it is but the same like kind of gooey stuff yeah that they put on to like to do makeups, if they would have put like lines of that in color, just so it was Mm -hmm. raised and looked more Mm -hmm. like a, like a tattoo, but raised. Mm, Yeah. I think that could have looked really, really cool. And I would have been happy with that because the design was cool. It just was like the marker effect kind of reminded me of Tasha Yar. And I was like, totally. Yeah. It was
0: definitely because, because of the like time crunch right in the middle of casting, they had to like, you're right in the middle of shooting. They had to recast the role, but he looked great. <clears throat> he did look really good. I mean, they did that little, like, looks like a Whovian from Whoville. Like, it totally thing. does.
1: Totally does. Right. Totally. And and his his outfit flashbacks. was great. His hair his, was great. His outfit, his
0: little, his little hat was so <laughs> ugly and so freaking perfect. And like the little curls that kind of went yes. around, like that was really, really cool. Yeah. They were trying to make it look like a tattoo, but a different color. Yeah. It totally looked like, um, a Sharpie. A, yeah. A Sharpie. It really did. But you know, they did the best with what they had. So yeah. Data does not want to be held captive captive, but Fajo tells him like, you'll get used to it. And aboard the enterprise, Geordi and Wesley go to collect data's things because why wouldn't Wesley be there to collect data's things? Um, okay. Wouldn't Jordy and like counselor Troy be do- like, this is the place for counselor Troy to maybe be doing this. Right.
1: Like why is Wesley there? Data's things? Yeah. Well, Wesley. So Wesley's one of data's best friends. And so is Troy. So it's Troy, Geordie, and Wesley. Cause remember those are the three he invited to meet his daughter. Oh, you're right. So those three are his best friends. And, um, yeah, right after the explosion, I thought, oh my gosh, everybody needs counseling. Where's Guinan. That was my first thought. I was like, you guys need to go find the immediately. Least, Troy. They didn't even do um, that. So I, d- I didn't find it weird at all that Jordy and Wesley were there. because mm. They're like, those are, you know, two of data's best friends. But it was just really sad too to be like, well, he died like ten minutes ago, and now you're going to clean out his quarters. I don't know how much time for grieving. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how much time for grieving is appropriate in future time, but I felt like more than twenty minutes would be warranted, yeah. like a day. I'm willing day. to.
0: I'm willing. I'm willing to go out on a limb and say the normal time of grieving in future time is also the same as present time and past time. <laughs>
1: Well, but everybody's grief period is different, right? So it's more like when, when in the rules of Starfleet do they handle like disposing of a body, doing the funeral ceremony, like that sort of thing? It's usually here, like, I mean, I mean, I imagine
0: it's like a couple of days, kind of like it would be here, right? Like,
1: right. But uh... that's the thing is, this is not a couple of days. This is like a few minutes later. Yo, no, No. No. It's you like you know, it's th- like immediately. The piece of the shuttlecraft is barely still bouncing off the shields. And they're like, all right, let's go through his drawers and get his things. Yeah, exactly. So that's why I'm saying. Like, I don't know if, you know, if on the Enterprise in the future, they would have this, like, you know, four days or three days. And then we do this, this, and this. Because, you know, they mm-hmm. have stuff that they do when a member, a crew member dies. Mm-hmm. Um, but this was like, yeah, the the shuttlecraft is still sizzling in space. And they're like, all right, let's go clean out his quarters. Right. Um, and they're cleaning out his quarters and looking through all his stuff. And it was just, like, really, really sweet.
0: It was really sweet. Um. They, so... Jordy and Wesley go into the quarters. They look at this art piece that uh, Data had painted. And he was like, he never thought, you know, Jordy or Wesley was like Data. Never really thought this was like complete, mm-hmm. Um, and you know how what like a perfectionist he was. And I looked at that painting and I was like, Meh. Sharice could have done that in like ten minutes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's false. I cannot have done that painting, but it was very pretty. It was like this blue cave or wormhole or something. Yeah, oh, I felt like Data's it was kind of like a dream,
0: a dream swirl or it something. Was, yeah, it
1: wasn't necessarily space, which was like what, <laughs> but it was very cool because Data, you know, is do he does this like self-expression through art, which shouldn't be possible for an Android who can't, yeah. you know? Yeah. So that was amazing and sad.
0: His violin and bow were on the little like seat. And I went, no, no data would have always put that away yeah, every time. Mm-hmm. And then, so I was like, I, although set dressing, so whatever, but I was like, no, no, that doesn't, that's not consistent with data, but whatever. But they do find a Shakespearean a book of Shakespearean works and they find um, that he got from Picard from yeah from Picard and he they found Tasha's little hologram where mm-hmm. she says ah data
1: <laughs> she actually doesn't speak at all she just kind of looks doesn't. at him she and smiles and nothing um, and they found a deck of was cards for their poker games
0: oh that's right I forgot about that and yep. all of his like star- Starfleet's highest honors like all mm-hmm. his medal of honor type of stuff um and it's sad it is sad
1: which he keeps right? in the like, drawer Right. He doesn't put it up on the wall like everybody else would for medals. He keeps it in a drawer, but not because he doesn't care about it. He keeps it in a drawer next to his hologram of Tasha Yar next to the poker, uh, the cards for poker yeah. next to like the book that he got from Picard. And it's like, oh, like he made an his an Android drawer. Yeah. yeah. He may be an Android, but he definitely has connections like important. connections. Yeah. Yeah. He really does.
0: Now aboard the Jovis very comes in and tells data that Kivas wants him to wear this like certain outfit and sit in this very 1990 chair. and he's like, I do not wish to be in this chair. Basically. Like I have no desire to sit in this chair
1: and I'm going to resist you any way I can, which is not sitting in the chair is all I can do at this point.
0: Yeah. Which I mean, Hey, I get it. Like any single way that you can carve out a teeny bit of resistance. Like I totally uh, understand Mm -hmm. that. So she reveals that Fajo has no moral fiber, you know, he's like, isn't this like immoral to like, hold me against my will. She's like, he doesn't have any of that. Mm-hmm. He has Moral no concerns. About- yeah, exactly. The rewards for loyalty are lavish, but the punishment for disloyalty are like equally extreme. And then she touches the horrible thing on her face. And it's like, okay, so yeah, that explains why your face is all messed up. Mm-hmm. So we're just getting like little tiny bits of information and we kind of keep jumping back and forth between Enterprise and the joke. Yeah,
1: and there's this great line there where he she storms out because he's like not playing along with his game. And is like, just face it, Data. He has you. And Data says, it appears he has us both. Oh, and you're like... That was mm-hmm. such a good burn. And she's just looking at him a good and then burn. walks away. And it's like, yeah, he does. You are you think you're hot stuff because you're number two. But if he made your face look like that, he could do anything to you at any point. You're not a yeah. free agent. So... You're absolutely not. I don't know why you're acting like you're on his team. <laughs> because he's not on your team. Yeah. Yeah, you're didn't absolutely say all that, not. But it was all implied. But... <laughs>
0: Um, yeah. So now Jordy is like jumping out of his own skin with frustration that he can't explain what happened to data. Right. And that makes sense Mm -hmm. that that would be Jordy because he was first and foremost, Jordy, like, you know, data's like best friend and data was his best friend. And he's -hmm. also the engineer and the problem solver. So he Mm -hmm. is, I realized with, I realized a friend of mine told me yesterday, he's like, you know, you're the fixer, right? Like you're always trying to you're tinkering and always trying to like fix things and solve things. And I was like, ah, I feel a little Jordy right now. <laughs> right. So Jordy mm-hmm. is like, what if I try this? What if I try this? What if I try this? Okay. That doesn't work. What if I apply this? Right. Um, so he would be the perfect person wondering like what happened, but also, you know, cause they were friends mm-hmm. and Picard kind of has to tell him like, look, sometimes things just happen. Like it didn't have to be that data did anything wrong. And sometimes there just aren't any clues either. Like Mm -hmm. it just happened, right? Like somebody had a stroke in the middle of a grocery store and it just happened and it's horrible and it just happened.
1: Yeah. And that was the thing that frustrated Jordy so much is because after testing every single thing he could test, he was telling Riker and Picard in Riker's in Picard's ready room. The only explanation for what happened is pilot error. That's the only explanation, and that's impossible for data. Not with do- if it was, yeah, not with data. If it was any other crewman, I'd be like, "Ah, eh, pilot error," but it's impossible with data. It makes no sense. Yeah. and that's when Picard's just like, "Yeah, I mean, it's possible though." And he's like, "It's literally not possible." <laughs> and but like, it is. But it is. You're gonna have to <laughs> let. You're gonna have to let this go. And Jordy's like, "Okay, may- maybe, I- maybe I am. You know, holding on to too long or something," and just kind of goes off, really sad. Yes, Jordy, um, it has been too
0: long. It's been 43 minutes, minutes by our yeah. by
1: our estimation. <laughs>
0: Forty-three. Get back to your minutes. station, please. <laughs> yeah, and they're like, well, uh, we need to replace Data at the Con. And Riker and Picard both agree that it needs to be Worf. Why it needs to be Worf, who's head of security, I don't understand. They always have fucking backup cons, right? Picard strides onto the bridge oh, they, in the middle of the night yeah, to check something. Like, and there's some like Ensign so-and-so we never see again. Why does it have to be Worf at the Con? I don't get it. Well, I don't know it's if very that he one. has to be
1: at the con. I think it's that he has to be that he's being replaced as number two as like the number ah. two person in charge of the ship. So okay. like Riker's number one data was number two. So he's in charge of all the away missions. He takes the bridge when Riker and Picard are unavailable, he, like et cetera, et cetera. Got so it. That's okay. So now he's, saying. he's Not being just like, we need work two. to fly the ship because Wesley could fly the ship. <laughs> Yeah, a a boy does it. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Apparently I could fly the ship. Anyone (laughs) could do that apparently, but yeah.
0: (laughs) As long as the con panel doesn't morph to say P for Picard. (laughs) Otherwise all the buttons stay the same. We're good. Stupid ass episode. Anyway. All right, so- So, yeah, that makes a lot more sense because it's like we always have like ensigns we never
1: see again at the con. Why does that do more?
0: He he has other jobs to do,
1: which by the way, he doesn't do very well as head of security. So,
0: maybe I mean, it's hard
1: to be head of security and always be on the bridge doing, he also does ops and he does all the weapon stuff like during battles and whatnot. That seems so. I feel like you're right. The head of security should probably not also be on the bridge (laughs) doing the ops, he should probably just do security. Like, is what I would do if it was my ship. But you know, it's not my ship. So whatever. You know,
0: when we create our own starship, that issue is going to be resolved. We'll have other issues, but that one won't be one of them. But anyway. (laughs) That one won't be. Um, So we
1: go back to the museum. And what is so funny about this is, like, Data is feeding the little weird lizard thing. mm -hmm. That's one of the collections in Fajo's museum in his gallery. And, like, when when we first see the lizard, when we first see the museum, actually, Fajo walks through every single piece in it. And he's talking yes. about how unique it is. It's the last one of its kind. And then he finds this lizard thing where he says, a well, lap-ling. says Oh, there you go. a Lapling. And De- data says, I thought these were extinct. And Fajo's like, almost I've got the last one. Ma-ha-ha. And he's like, loo, 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 and gives him this little worm or whatever. Yes. And here in this scene, when we like go back to the museum and it's just data in there, he's like, Lulu, 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 Lulu. I just <laughs> thought that was so
0: funny like i loved that so much also brent spiner was using such a different tone of voice that i was like who's speaking oh my god it's dating it's like lulu lulu which by the way a couple of things the lapling was a hand puppet so somebody was under there like you know it looked yeah. extremely like pilot episode of tng it was it like, like really a puppet. it mm-hmm. totally did But when, as Saul Rubinac was doing different sound effects throughout, you know, they were shooting it multiple times. There were a few times he was going like, and there were a few times he was saying, like, bippy, 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 bippy. And it caught on so much that for the entire week that they were filming this, all the cast and crew was going like, bippy, 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 like (laughs) to each other, which I thought was pretty funny uh but yeah data's like lulu lulu lulu
1: and this lapling is like
0: uh right <laughs> um yeah and and i love how Saul Rubinek's body language is extremely on character for Kibas. right he's excited and excitable he is halting when he's like frustrated he's and confused he's totally eccentric yeah he's mm-hmm. very he kind of like you know kind of he he tends to like always like sort of run into the gallery room
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And he comes to this halt and he's like, "Ah, you're still not wearing the outfit and you're still not sitting in in the the chair. chair. Like Mm -hmm. what? Uh, Yeah. Like, come on, man. And of course data is like, you know, I'm going to use every possible method at my disposal to like resist and try to escape. So sitting in that chair is not going to be something I'm doing today. And I love that Kivas is like, ah, fine. And he goes to the replicator and replicates this like drink. And then looks like he's going to offer it to data to drink it, but he ends up splashing it on his uniform and it starts like burning it. And I remember that even from when I was a kid and first saw this, I was like, oh my God, it's like burning all his clothes. Mm -hmm. Um, My question is why was it looking all black and burnt looking like when we see data's like white torso underneath, although maybe they didn't want to film like Brent
1: Spiner's torso. I don't know. I was like, why does that look like a crater? Well, cause it's like burning through the fabric. I think that's why the fabric's all like black and burnt, but he says it's going to disintegrate your clothes in just a couple of minutes. Um, and, but it won't harm your skin. So you'll just be butt naked. And he was like, and I'm fine with that. So <laughs> I think that's, I think that's the visual that we're seeing the clothes mm-hmm. being burned and eaten away, um, as opposed to dissolving, because that visual will be harder to pull off and probably not look as shocking as this, right? This is like, yeah. a shocking episode. we've got this big explosion in the beginning and now we've got like acid thrown on his costume. And I remember this too, where I was like, why did he throw that? And then when it starts bubbling and burning, I was like, oh my gosh, it's acid, get it off, get it off, get it off. But then when he says like, it's not going to burn your skin, it's like, who does this? Like, what is wrong with you? And this, by the way, is after Fajo gives multiple speeches to try to convince data to do what he wants. Mm-hmm. And he is incredibly manipulative And incredibly effective. Like this would have worked on a human multiple times over. He tries threatening. He tries, you know, cajoling. He tries guilt tripping. He tries all these different things. And then in the end he goes to acid, which just tells you a lot about this. Step three. Yeah. Step one cajoling step two acid. So, um, so then he pours this. And I remember seeing this as a kid also with the acid, because I remember Mm -hmm. just being shocked. Like I was shocked when I thought data exploded and I was shocked when he poured this acid. And I was like, data is trapped. There's no way out. And, you know, as an adult, I love a good episode like this where you're like, huh, I can't figure out the solution on my own. How he cannot get out of this little tiny room. Mm -hmm. Um, And you're like, is data going to end up being naked? Because, like, does he care? Does he not care? I don't know what's going to happen. Yes. But we don't find that out right away. Instead, we go back to the Enterprise where Jordy wakes up from a nightmare where he goes, oh, my gosh, I've missed something. Okay about that scene why is Geordi in bed wearing
0: his uniform and his shoes that to me feels like wearing jeans to bed I'm like why are what is Picard the only one aboard the ship who wears effing pajamas seriously <laughs> why are you lying in bed it's in your uniform pajamas <laughs> I mean she she usually it's puts on nighty. like yeah it's yeah she does you're right <laughs> she doesn't have like a little silk nighty thing which makes sense but Why the fuck are you in bed in your uniform with your shoes on?
1: Was he in his uniform though? He absolutely was girl. I was
0: like, pause screen. Like, I was like, Alexa, pause. He was in his uniform with his freaking combat badge on. Didn't have his visor on. I guess he takes his visor off to sleep, but not his shoes or his (laughs) uniform. And you've been crawling around in Jeffrey's tubes, getting like dilithium dust on there. And you're just (laughs) lying in bed also underneath you guessed it, another space painting. I was like, everything is wrong with this scene. (laughs) Why is there more space paintings? Why? Why do you have your uniform and your shoes on? Okay. Little background. I lived in Hawaii for a couple of years and Hawaii is sort of a mix between like American and like Japanese customs. There's a lot of intermix because it's Mm -hmm. geographically kind of right in the middle. Mm -hmm. And one of the, one of the habits that I picked up when I lived in Hawaii is that you always take your shoes off when you enter a house and you just go barefoot. That way you don't have like outside shit, you know, all over your floors and, you know, and then you step on that and then you're in your bed or whatever. So I take my shoes off whenever I get into my house, seeing shoes in bed. I was like, Mm, mm -mm. no, (laughs) like I was just like horrified. I was like, (laughs) yuck, 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 yuck. Gross. (laughs) Yeah. I I never walked barefoot.
1: I never, ever walk barefoot. And I think part of that is me being a microbiologist and just, I don't want my feet touching anything on the ground of anybody's ground, any my, even my <laughs> own, but, um, I don't sleep with my shoes on. <laughs> I and would hope not. Like, that is very, that is very weird. I, I don't know why they made that choice. Cause they could have easily put him in some space pajamas for the scene. Like just easily borrow some of the cards I, you know, I they have- don't know. or they didn't even need him to have to like wake up from a nightmare. It could have been something else. He could have been in 10 forward and just had a revelation. And had to put his glass down and run See, out. And then he could that, be in clothes. That would have made so much more
0: sense. The other thing that bothered me, and maybe this is just a me thing, but, you know, <clears throat> the bed has those kind of like space blanket looking sheets. They never have any blankets. It's just like a sheet. But he was laying on top of the sheet, which bothered me. Because even if I'm hot in bed, I still need to have just like a little bit of sheet over mm-hmm. me, like just a little something. Because otherwise, I don't know. It doesn't feel like I'm in bed. I don't know. It's weird. But I was like, I'm the same way. Okay. Yeah, it was like you're on top of the sheet. You're in your freaking <laughs> uniform. You've got your <laughs> shoes on, and there's a space painting looking down at you. So we're okay. Gonna say that Jordy
1: was so distraught and whatever. He just laid. He just fell in the bed and fell asleep. He didn't even put his get his shoes on. He didn't even put his sheet over him. Like he was knocked out. So he. I wanted. Piece. I wanted to like control alt delete that whole scene. <laughs> I was like redo. <laughs> Redo. Yeah, we could definitely we could have definitely had that in a different way. I didn't even notice all those things at all. I just was like, oh, he has a nightmare. But yeah, you're right. That was done horribly wrong, people. Horribly wrong. I, I saw that. I was like, nope, nope, wrong, 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 wrong. Anyway. Mm-hmm. anyway. <laughs> so the next scene we see, Troy and Worf um kind of walk in through the hallways. And Troy's asking Worf, How are you? How do you feel right now? Because this is the second dead crewmate that you're replacing. And I thought to myself, well doesn't this happen on Klingon ships all the time? Like, isn't this normal? And then immediately Worf says, this happens on Klingon ships all the time. This is totally normal. Yeah. And I was like, oh, and then Troy says, but this is not a Klingon ship. And I was like, oh yeah, that's a good point. Like, yeah. And Worf has not served on a Klingon ship ever in his whole entire life. So yeah. that's not going to be a, a big comfort to him. Yeah, he's only um, but, heard like
0: cultural stories about it, but has not experienced it himself. Yeah, it felt like
1: he's used to everybody around being replaced every every day. Yeah, but he seems he seems very well adjusted. And he said, "This is how I honor my friends. Like he's going to honor Data's memory by performing his duties as best as possible." And I thought that was a really beautiful and healthy way to grieve, to like honor someone as opposed to just uh, mourn their loss. He kind of yes. took this other approach of like. I know what they did and I'm going to just try my best to do what they did and to yes. to make them proud. I really, I really liked that. And I think that is a really lovely way to sort
0: of honor a fallen comrade. Um, Something that I did notice about this scene is when Worf is walking down the hallway, Troy is leaning against a little like wooden hand railing kind of thing that's built into the wall. And she's chatting with this woman and the woman walks away. And then Troy and Worf start walking. And I was looking at that little wooden hand railing. I was like, have those always been there? I've literally never noticed. There's like a little wooden piece that comes away from the wall. And if you have noticed that those have been there, or if you know that they were built for this episode please let us know info at the TNG podcast.com. I've never noticed that, but I'm going to um, look when we do next week's episode and see if they're still there. And I kind of
1: want to look back a few episodes and see if they were still there. Cause I never, ever noticed those. It might just be one of those, one of those little things that, you know, just those beautiful little touches that make the yeah. ship seem real. Yeah, totally. Um, so next we have Geordie going all Sherlock Holmes and he's explaining to Wesley how none of this makes sense how it just none of it makes sense and he's like we have to like there's something going on here and wesley's just like really are you sure i mean i feel like we've done this already <laughs> and jordy's like no we're not done <laughs> we're like i'm going to figure this out which i love because this is when i feel like things kind of turn uh, emotionally where mm. you're like okay great they're not just going to fly off into the sunset and leave data jordy's not going to let that happen he's going to find out what happened he's going to convince whoever needs convincing and at least they're going to go back and take a look Like Mm -hmm. at the very least, they're going to go back to the crash site or maybe talk to Fajo again, like something. And that's all they need is a little, a little thread of hope to bring them back.
0: Yes, I agree. Yeah. It starts to like, wait a minute. There are some clues here because the thing that they're saying is that data had reported to the enterprise, like, um, ready for takeoff, you know, departing now or something. But then once the shuttlecraft actually departed, data didn't report anything back to the enterprise. And then there was the explosion and they're like "That's standard procedure though, to be in communication the entire time. And he wasn't, and that might be explainable for, um, a non-android. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But not data. So yeah. Now Kim Fajo brings in his ultra fucking creepy friend, paler toff to see data and show data off. And that nose thing. hmm makes my skin all over his face crawl he has nose all over his face but then he's got this like metal swirl like like a circular metal piece that that
1: go that either goes into or comes out of one of his like i think it comes out of like the forehead nose and comes into like the it was face
0: nose fucking creepy like even watching this yesterday (laughs) my skin was crawling i was getting the heebie i was like oh and then a few times when he was talking he was sticking his pinky into another nostril i was like so
1: disgusting he be so, GBs. i mean it, I, it didn't bother me because for me it's like small holes but whatever like the makeup was um weird but interesting and then you compare that whole face to like varia's butt chin and you're like what, what is the- what is happening? Ugh, see, like, the, what is going it on? It wasn't
0: so much the holes. It was that something was coming out of it, like a little metal piece mm-hmm. that got thinner and thinner. So I was like, it feels like it's going to have a sharp point. And it's just like stabbing you in your fucking nostrils. So weird.
1: Yeah. And well, this I mean, that's is, why I don't like holes is I think things will come out of them. So oh, for ooh, me, like yeah. that makes sense. Um, yeah.
0: That's super gross. That is, that is a phobia. I don't have the name. Of what the phobia is, but there is a fear of like little tiny holes that look like infection or something. It's, it's just super just gross. Cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's super creepy. But and we'll never talk is, about that again. Not so. ever. Not ever. <laughs> not
0: even in the rest of my life, like even off the podcast. But yeah. So nope. Paylor Toff comes in and Kivas and Varia are all kind of hanging on him. And he's clearly a little bit like drunk and just having a great time. And he's talking about this Valorian sex objects that he's gotten. Um, with like embedded pearls and Kevos is like, I already have four of those, whatever. And I was thinking like a sex <laughs> object with embedded pearls. I'm pretty sure you could buy those online anywhere today, but whatever, <laughs> like, <laughs> but maybe not in 1990, maybe they were brand new. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe, maybe. <laughs> um, but data is, is like rebelling in one of the few ways he can't, he is just like completely stock still and totally non non responsive just standing there not even blinking which i felt mm-hmm. poor Brett Spiner with those contacts in your eyes mm-hmm. and have to film me for like 20 seconds at a time not blinking i would be dying um but Toph is like you have a very interesting looking mannequin and of course this is pissing Thajo off he is not happy with this did you notice Sharice, where his frustration was starting to get the better of him but he also um He also like didn't want to like lose his temper in front of his guests. So he's like, I command you to Mm -hmm. behave now, now he still kind of has a Mm -hmm. smile on, but you can see that like rage starting to bubble. Oof, Mm -hmm. yeah.
1: And then he like hits data to kind of be like, you start acting right. And data just falls over like a plank. Like he doesn't bend at all. He doesn't move. He just falls over. Like he was a a hard fall. Oof. It was. It was. And, and, and he's like, no, yeah, you, you have to forgive him, whatever. And Toth is just like, oh, this is very amusing, isn't it? So now Fajo feels so embarrassed. He was trying oh, to yeah. show off his, his crowning jewel of an of an artifact. And now yeah. he's feeling so embarrassed, so humiliated, and also furious. And he's just like, okay, let's let's go back into this other, you know, room or whatever in the ship. Um, and he's like, This is an over data, and you're just like, ooh, data's gonna get it. But also good for him.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, data is gonna get it and also good for you. I totally agree. Um, he's like, You're gonna regret this.
1: And I was like, Oh, damn, like coming mm-hmm. from somebody like who just threw acid on him like an hour ago. So yeah, yeah you probably will regret it. But you are you gotta gotta are do, gotta this. do.
0: Yeah. Now the enterprise finally arrives at this colony system to deliver the hydridium, and they send on the probe with the hydridium. And it starts to react. And they're like, wait a minute. Uh, this is reacting with the planet's like geothermal system like much faster than it should be. Like it should take a number of hours to neutralize. Like, neutralize, but it seems like instantaneous or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the tricyanate. And they're like, well, uh, maybe we'll send down on away team and just kind of go poke around, right? Like we just get it, they don't send down the team yet, but they're like, mm, something isn't quite right. Now chemist comes back and tries to convince data to
1: sit in the chair. He's like, but before he comes in, I just this part Ah, again. I love Mona Lisa. Mona Lisa is Data's looking at the Mona Lisa, and he's trying to like smirk like the Mona Lisa. He's like trying to. They're like doing a staring contest, and I just was like, I just love this seeing like Data kind of exploring, just kind of exploring things. Um, and he's really enjoying the the museum. Like earlier, we see him sniffing the bubble gum from that baseball card. He's like sniffing the smell. You know, he's feeding the little lizard. He's like enjoying the painting. So he's actually quite enjoying museum, which I mean, why not? He's got nothing else to do.
0: Yeah, he really does. And I love that he's trying to get that little like mysterious smile down. And it's so, Mm -hmm. it reminded me of the like Lulu, like you're Mm -hmm.
1: doing it, but not very
0: well. <laughs> now Kivas is like, ooh, let me show you a little something. And he pops out this wall safe and enters in this code. And it felt very like I'm at the ATM and I use my hand to shield the like pin mm-hmm. number. <laughs> mm-hmm. And he pulls out a Velon T disruptor, which is banned in the Federation for its like super slow and painful death by like phaser standards. Mm-hmm. And he points it at Data and Data's like, it's unlikely that you're gonna kill me because of the value
1: that you place on me mm-hmm. and all the trouble you went through to get me. So yeah, not too worried about that, me. buddy.
0: Yeah. And he's like, you know what? You're right. And so he brings in Vary, and he's like, Varya, how long have we been together? It's been a great time. 14 like, years, sir. Fourteen. Yeah. Year. 14 and years. Ugh. ugh. And That's she he points out to Date, Kivas Fajo points out to data. Like when I found her, which is like, ew, found Um, she was barely an adult. And I was like, OK, so you've like groomed this poor woman, which is super gross. And he moves mm-hmm. to kill her. And he's like going to miss you. And he moves to kill it with the Valenti disruptor, but Data's like, Fajo. And Fajo looks, and Data's sitting in the chair, and he's like, Cool, got what I wanted.
1: <laughs> kind of like do, 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 do storms mm-hmm. out. And Vajra at shitty. the same and at the same time, Varya's sitting there, like, oh my gosh, like I almost just died for absolutely no reason. I almost no died reason. so that Data could sit in a chair. Yeah. After 14 years of loyalty, of being his loyal puppet. Yep. So it appears he has us both, Varya. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now Crusher Wharf
0: and Riker beam down to this planet, and they're in this kind of underground cave. And I totally had flashbacks of Captain's holiday. I was like, are the yeah. Vorgon still standing there watching <laughs> Vash and Picard dig for hours and hours? Okay. I was like, yeah, I just that needed- poor
1: Perengi is still there. His bones are there with the shovel. <laughs> Where he was digging. He dug all the way to the other side of Risa before he you know, died. Yeah. So this away team <laughs> finds that the tricyanate
0: appears to be, it appears to be naturally occurring, but it actually turns out it's like this cleverly designed sabotage. Mm-hmm. And the only way as they piece together to neutralize the tricyanate is hydridium. And it was just like a little too convenient that the only person who happens to sell Hytridium, which is extremely toxic, extremely volatile, expensive, Mm -hmm. and all this other shit that makes it like undesirable to have it around Mm -hmm. is Fajo. And Mm so the enterprise is like, oh my God. And I did not remember this from the episode at all. I was like, oh, data probably escapes and sends like a a beacon or something to the Mm -hmm. enterprise. But I didn't remember this. This was a twist for me. I was like, oh my God, they realized that Faja was at the right place at the right time to assist with this disaster
1: mm-hmm. and that this and disaster
0: was made up. It was made up. Yeah. Cause they were like, well, why
1: would you make up a disaster just to like cure it? The, yeah. Just and, to cure it. like And Crusher mentions weird. like, there's no reason to synthesize this because the process is so long and slow and so cost prohibitive. Why yeah. would anyone make this artificially? But clearly it was made artificially. So they're like, who would go to this much trouble? What would you gain out of it? And that's when yeah. they're kind of piecing it together. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And they finally put this into place because they're like, okay, uh, computer, rundown on Kivas Fajo, which I feel like you probably should have done before you started doing dealings with him. Just saying, because it took like eight seconds to be like collector of rare and priceless artifacts, data, go back. It's like, how did you guys not do like this 10 second computer
1: rundown? Even if they did know he was a collector of rare objects. None of that would cause them to think that they, that Fajo kidnapped data, right? Yeah, Even if before, they, because they knew he was a traitor. like that's his, that's his uh, job. So yeah, you're right. A, you're right. He was a trader. They knew he had lots of different things that he, he had his finger in a lot of pies. He knew who was, who was in the you know market for, to buy things and sell things. So hearing that he's a trader is not suspicious or hearing that he's also a collector would not be suspicious at all. It's that piece with all the other pieces. It's data dying. But then Jordy saying, "I don't think he died," and here's all the reasons why. And then Mm -hmm. them being like, uh, maybe, but we think he probably did." But then finding out that someone manufactured this whole crisis just to get the enterprise to buy the hydridium, just to get them, you know, to go there. And then they were like, "It's convenient. We had just enough for the crisis and not a drop more." And they came here and find out that it's all artificial. And now they're saying, "Who's the only one who has something to gain from all of this?" And they're like, "Well, we bought this hytridium from Fajo, but the hydridium that we bought was not like." wouldn't replace the cost of the of the tricyanate. so like what what does he really get out of it and that's mm-hmm. when they're like wait a minute the only thing besides money latinum whatever the heck they traded yeah is yeah. that data's missing and jordy has been going on and on about how like data can't be can't be dead he couldn't
0: ha- yeah he couldn't have made that mistake that led to that explosion
1: yeah so then that's when they put it all together and they're like ah, oh, crap yeah so they, they race back
0: and we find that Data's trying to open this wall safe and extract the disruptor. And Varia rushes in and she offers to help Data escape if he can take her with him. Mm-hmm. And I guess almost killing your assistant of 14 years just to prove some minor point will do that. So mm-hmm. she opens the safe and they grab the disruptor <laughs> and they're and they're off, right? As this is happening, the enterprise is like kind of locating Fajo's ship and racing over. And as Varia and Data like rush the escape pod or to their shuttle bay to the little shuttle craft. Sorry. Thank you. Um, Varya goes to like enter the little cargo bay door code. And she's like, an mm-hmm. alarm is going to go off. Like once I, once I like so we push gotta the go enter fast. key. So mm-hmm. we need to be quick about it. And I love that they pause several times in the cargo bay to like chat about little things. I'm like, I thought you said you had to go fast, like go, <laughs> what, are <you> waiting for? <laughs> what are you waiting for? Like
1: speed. This, speed is like, of, like, key. this is like that episode when the ship was about to be destroyed by some, like, something that was melting everything do you remember that and they had the cool michael jackson gloves where they were like yes, we're going to see if it's here pursuit. and are they like they're like scan mm, it's blue scan okay now it's red and you're like you have 30 seconds before yeah. the ship explodes what yeah are you and the doing? computer's like 6 seconds
0: until imminent destruction what if we try pink light again
1: yeah what about yellow light let's go to yellow it's like oh my gosh yeah sometimes they do this on the show i don't know i don't know where the disconnect is but it's some high tension moment where everyone's super chill. So this is like a high tension moment where they should be running for their lives. And they're just like, so what are you up to? Well, I don't know. What are you up to? No, not the time. Talk about that on the shuttle. Like, let's keep it moving. Exactly. No, she was just like, you know, couldn't agree more. We're going to hope that once we get out um, of the ship that we can get out of range and get rescued before Fajro comes after us. And I was like, ooh, this is such a, this is like that person escaping from some fortress and they've got this long no man's land to run through to get to the gate. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. you're just like, oh, like it's better than nothing, but also you're going to get shot. You know, See,
0: my immediate thought was you could kind of escape at any time. Like you can come and talk to data and be like, look, I'm putting together an escape. It's going to take about a week to like plan this because what you're hoping is that your fucking escape pod, which is going to go one quarter impulse is going to be just found by a ship that just happens to be well, they like didn't right there. Pod. They
1: took a ship. They were taking a shuttle. I thought she said it was an escape shuttle or an escape. No, it's a um, it's I said shuttle bay. It's a shut. They're taking a little shuttle, but still, yes, it's a. But even still,
0: you take this tiny shuttle, and and you're just hoping a ship is right there. Why can't you? Why can't you do just like a week's worth of planning and be like, Data, just play along to not piss off Fajo for a couple of days. We're gonna, I'm gonna send out this like coded distress signal or something. So like, when a ship is nearby, then we pop out a ship and we get beamed aboard. This was just like we're just gonna go out into the deep space and just like hope. That in the 10 seconds, it's going to take Fajo to like beam
1: us back aboard that somebody (laughs) will find us. This just seems like really bad planning. Yeah, it really is because she also said that they're going to send like a like a distress beacon. Like, so basically the plan was in the middle of the night, jump to a shuttle, you know, leave the ship after she opens the doors, send a distress beacon, which will, by the way, alert Fajo's entire ship and then just hope somebody else finds them first. Like that was the plan. And so. I mean, yeah, I, I agree with you. She maybe could have thought that out a little bit more, but maybe she was just not thinking straight because she almost died. And that's probably it. And data was could just be. like, let's go. Like, oh, yeah. I'm not going to stay okay. anyways, I'd rather be dead than, than be here. Right. So yeah. let's, let's just move out. So she, she enters in this code and she's
0: right. The alarm goes off like one second later. So you get some like security guards that run in and she and data kind of neutralize them. Mm -hmm. But in the meantime, like one of the, one of the guards had like turned off the like cargo bay doors. So she has to like run back now to the panel and enter it Mm -hmm. again. And as she Mm -hmm. does Fajo runs in and with his, with his own disruptor that he says Mm -hmm. he sleeps with under his pillow and points it at Varia and sees her. And Varia is like, fuck, like you're totally caught. And there it's not, it's one of those moments where like, in the movies, somebody walks in on their husband sleeping with somebody else. And he's like, it's not what it looks like. It's like, but is there any other, (laughs) is there any room for misinterpretation? I feel like Varya, you're totally caught, right? Like it's not what it looks like. Doesn't work here. And the look on the look of terror on this woman's face is so real. It's like Mm -hmm. shock and fear and terror all of us. And this is a woman who clearly knows what abuse is. It was like unreal to see that um, for me. And as Fajo starts pointing his disruptor at Varia, like several moments go by as she kind of is like debating what to do. She's like, Do I just stick out my chin and like take it? Just Mm -hmm. take it? Do I lunge for that gun that's like down on the floor? Do I scream for data, which by the way, knowing I won't make it? Exactly. So she sees this disruptor that she had dropped on the ground and she lunges for the gun, but misses by like four miles. By miles, yeah. And then she ends up like standing up and Fajo is. Pointing this disruptor at her, like debating whether, you know, whether to pull the trigger or not. What the fuck is Data doing in there? It's suspiciously quiet. The
1: cargo bay doors are not lifting. Varia <laughs> said she'd be in back the, in two seconds. Like it is inside of the shuttle. He's, he's prepping the shuttle. So the what they were trying to do was Varia was gonna open the shuttle bay doors. Data was gonna prep the whole shuttle. And then, like as the doors open, she was gonna jump in the shuttle and then they were gonna fly through the force field or whatever. So he had come out of the shuttle to fight security guards. And then he went back in the shuttle to be like, ding, ding, ding as she ran back to the panel. So they Mm -hmm. kind of went back to like, all right, we're almost out. Keep going, keep going. So as they're in there, like, you know, he's just in the shuttle and he's not hearing anything. He's thinking she's pushing the little buttons and this whole scene is playing out. And it's just like, it's really sad because you're, I mean, I've seen this episode, so I know what happens. Right. But you're just like, he's not, he's not a shooter. Is he like, you know, he said that this disruptor, is so painful because it rips people apart at like a cellular level. And it's yeah. like the worst way to die. And you're like, he's not going to shoot her. He's just going to like threaten her. You yeah. know, he's going to like push her back or like, you know, tell her to get back in her place or lock her up or something. And then there's even this moment where he lowers his gun and she yeah. like sighs in relief. And then he lifts it back up and shoots her. And you're just like, and then as soon as she screams, then <sighs> data comes out. Cause he hears yeah. her scream. But it's like, there's nothing you can do at that point. And it's just like, what a monster And he shot her. He didn't shoot her because he was mad at her because she was trying to escape because she stole data. He shot her because he wanted to see what happens when you shoot that gun at somebody. Yeah. Yes. He's A total psychopath,
0: complete psychopath, like top to bottom. Come on now. Um, Now data picks up the disruptor off the ground that Varia had missed by a mile. And is like, you won't hurt me. Fundamental respect for all living things. That's what you said earlier. I'm a living being, therefore you can't hurt me. And Data is like kind of debating. He's like, I can't allow this to continue. And as he moves to fire, suddenly he's beamed off the ship. And we see the transporter room of the Enterprise. And O'Brien is telling Riker that the transporter's detected this like weapon that's been discharged and has to disarm it before beating Data aboard. And Data is beamed aboard like
1: holding the gun out. Fired, in front of yeah, him. holding
0: the mm-hmm. gun out. And when asked about this, Data's like, I'm not sure why, like, the sensor would read that,
1: like, there was maybe a mistake. And Yeah, Riker Riker asks him about it. Be, and this is the only time we see, besides the episode Clues, this is the only time we see Data lie. And in the episode Clues, he was lying to save the crew. Here he's just lying to lie like a normal human. Like, you can really see his humanity showing. But Riker asks him, like, Data, we, we noticed that a firearm, like a phaser, was discharging. A weapon was discharging as we transported you like did something happen and data's like i don't believe so sir and just kind of walks away and they're like but we just you know you could see the look of confusion in the eyes of o'brien and Riker because they just saw him holding out a gun as if he was shooting somebody and they noticed that it looked like a weapon was being discharged and data's just like i don't i don't think so like i don't know what you're talking about um and you're like oh my gosh if they would have beamed him up like one second later Faja would just be like you know, Adam's dust. Yes. And his little shuttle. Bay. Yes. And data would have been a murderer. And which he know. said he
0: couldn't, which he said, like he couldn't do, you know, earlier when he was talking to Fajo when he was first kidnapped, he's like, I can't
1: murder, but this makes he the audience ask like, murder. He said, he said he hasn't killed anyone yet. Like, personally. Oh, okay. Yeah. There you go. But he said he is programmed to defend himself and he is programmed to, to take life, but he just hasn't yet personally killed he somebody. hasn't yet done it now mm-hmm. this makes the audience
0: ask like would Dave, data really have killed fajo and i think that for me at least the yeah the the answer is like a big yes Right. And even Brent Spiner later agreed that like data was totally firing the weapon when he was beamed away. Like, and I love that coming from the actor that to me gives it like more credibility Where I'm like, you are data right here. Right. <laughs> so like you he's it's like, true. no, he,
1: he absolutely was shooting. Yeah. Yeah. And, it didn't discharge on its own inside of a transporter. No, don't do that. Especially, that would be bad. especially
0: when he was like moving his hand to like shoot, like right then and there. So it's like, wait, a no, yeah. he
1: would have so, totally killed him. And he wouldn't have been wrong because he would have been protecting himself defending himself and everyone else that fajo wants to murder and like yeah
0: yeah he absolutely would have now this there's this last little bit where data visits fajo in the in the brig of the enterprise because they've now arrested him obviously and tells him that his entire collection has been confiscated and everything is being returned to its rightful owner and that was the thing that like made fajo stop Right. Cause mm-hmm. he's like, don't count me out yet. I'll have you in my collection again. I had you once I'll have you again. And he's like, well, your collection doesn't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. And Fajr was like, you must be really enjoying this.
1: And Dita says something Seeing to me. in a cage instead of you, like
0: the rules yeah. have been
1: reversed and you must yes. be enjoying this. Yes.
0: And Dita's like, I'm not capable of enjoying this. I'm just an Android. And even after production, now the writer's went back later and said, we wish we would have made this a little bit more clear that like, yes, he was shooting the weapon. And at the very end that yes, data was clearly enjoying it Mm -hmm. because his response was a little bit like pandering. It's like, I'm just an Android, like he said, but Mm -hmm. data played it. So straight, like he played it. So ambiguous, you know, not data, sorry, Brent Spiner played this like so ambiguously that you're like, maybe data isn't enjoying it. Maybe he is.
1: I mean, I I felt like, just like, I feel like he, he fired for sure. He fired obviously but also I feel like he did enjoy it because otherwise he wouldn't have thrown that line in his face yes. and he wouldn't have come to see him because there's no reason to come. There's, see no, him. there's reason no-, no reason to, there's no reason to be like, Oh, by the way, your whole collection's being dismantled yes. by the way you've lost everything by the way you're in a cage sucka. Yeah, Like there'd yes. be no reason for him to say that except for to rub it in. Cause he could just yeah. have easily never seen him or spoke to him or of him ever again. Yeah. And like it wouldn't have affected his day. So, but yeah, that, that would have been nice to have a little more of that punch at the end of his, um, getting back at him because as audience members, that would make us feel really good to be like, yeah, you got your, you know, you got your just desserts. Yeah. Bonjour, you're going to jail for a long time. Yeah. We're all of your a long friends. time. Yeah. I don't blip, even know blip, how blip, that. Blip,
0: <laughs> no. <laughs> now you're in a cage. Yeah. There it is.
1: I don't even know how, I mean, I guess Starfleet is going to, you know, be in charge of that. Cause that's the other thing is like, you know, how in, in our world on earth, when somebody commits a crime in different countries, it's like sometimes you can be charged in multiple countries. Sometimes there's no extradition, whatever. But now we're talking about like galaxy wide um, and he's just committed crimes everywhere he's gone. So,
0: yeah, oh no, all over the place, the light of
1: day. That's for sure.
0: Now, as this episode is over, I have one last little teeny tiny bit of trivia in in um, a scene that was present in the script, but not in the final episode. Fajo had sent Varia to test data's sexual abilities. That's However, disgusting. yes. However, data learns of the intent ahead of time, leaving Varia utterly humiliated, which would later fuel her desire to betray Fajo. Like in that climax, it wasn't the shooting, you know, the, like I almost killed her just to make a point and now she's turned. Yeah. So I thought that that was, really good that they didn't include that because i would have been like yeah we yeah can we don't need we don't need android sex stop stop trying to give
1: me the android sex android sex and also selling women's bodies for your own like can we just get away from that like we've that's been done we had all of risa like let's move on (laughs) let's try something different so i'm really glad they didn't go in that direction (laughs) so final thoughts on this episode um it was just so fun to see Saul rubinick as like a freaking 20 year old or whatever. Like it was just yeah. so fun to see him. Um, I love that this episode was a whole kind of like, whodunit mystery kind of mixed with this cat and mouse game. I think it's a super interesting concept. Now, when I watch this episode, it makes me think of that like collector guy from the, uh, from the Avengers movies. Um, yeah. I don't remember, but like, I hate that it reminds me of that guy. Cause I think that guy's really dumb. And I really <laughs> like Kivas Fajo as a character. So I hate that that's in my brain, but it did remind yeah. me of that. Um, <laughs> and I think that this character is super just fascinating. The whole the whole plot of this was super fascinating. What about you?
0: Um, it was a really fun episode. I enjoyed kind of like relearning uh, like the way that the Enterprise figures out like why this like hydridium and tricyanate reaction was even happening, like why they were well placed to be within Kivas Fajo's range, like because Kivas Fajo had, said so at the beginning, like I've gone through an enormous amount of like time and expense to to acquire you, mm-hmm. which I just thought was like, oh, you're trading with the enterprise or selling something to the enterprise data is sending this back and forth on the, you know, he's going back and forth on the shuttle. You spotted him and you're like, Oh, I, I want him for my collection. Not realizing that he had spent like weeks and months planning this whole ruse to like get mm-hmm. him, which is pretty mm-hmm. interesting. So I thought that was really fun. I really enjoyed it. And Saul Rubinek fucking crushed it as mm-hmm. Kivas Fajo. He was eccentric and crazy and wild and like unstable and just all the right kind of like fun villain that you like love to love instead of loving to hate um <laughs> next week we are talking season three episode 23 Sarek. thank you guys so much for listening we'll see you next
1: week bye thanks for geeking out with us be sure to join the crew at the TNGpodcast.com to be the first to know when we do our live shows or host events exclusively for our members we'll see you next time